The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Betza has been dedicated anonymously of Meir Ben Esther. Amen. has been dedicated as well Amen. We bless our anonymous sponsor that Bezat Hashem he should be blessed with Arichut Yamim, health, Oshir, Veoshir, Vechavod, and Bezat Hashem should be Zocher in the near future to raise a family uh, and continue all his good work for the community. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by David and Ilana Meyer from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, in honor of the rabbi. Uh, David has left a message that we will read. Um, Although you are far from us, your teachings and guidance light up our lives. You have glorified and made beautiful our holy Torah and our wonderful Sephardic heritage. May God always grant you from the abundance of His goodness, and may you continue to be a light unto all your students and to all of Israel. Amen. Thank you, David, and Bezat Hashem. Allah will bless you and your dear wife with children. Bezat Hashem. Shavat Torah. Muslahat. Berachat. Slacha. Orech. Yamim. Oshir. Vechavod. Amen. Amen. Daf Bet. Today's daf is being studied. Le'alun Ishmat. Avraham Ben Esther. Ruwa Hashem. Tanichenu Began Eden. Amen. We begin today. Masechet Bet. From the first Mishnah, right on that bit, there is a question amongst the Mefarshiat Talmud: What exactly is the name of our Masechet? Uh, traditionally, uh, we call the Masechet Masechet Betza. Others call it Masechet Bea, saying that the word Betza would not be Lashon Nikia. It's not a clean language, Betzim, and therefore they refer it. They say Bea. Others call the Masechet, Masechet Yom Tov, since the Masechet talks about the laws of Yom Tov. In any event, our Mishnah begins, Betza Shenolda Yom Tov. You have an egg that was born, obviously from a chicken, on Yom Tov. Bet Shammai Omrim Te'achel. Bet Shammai says you're allowed to eat the egg. And Betelel says, you can't eat the egg. Actually, the Tosafot explains that while the Mishnah uses the terminology eating and not eating, the real question is, is it mukseh or not mukseh? And therefore, we're going to wait for the Gemara to give us the uh, rationale, why should it be mukseh or not mukseh? But it comes out over here, an exceptional case where we see Betelel is actually the Mahmir. Normally in Shas, Betelel is the Mekel, is the lenient opinion. Over here is one of the cases where Betelel takes the more stringent opinion and says that the egg that was born from the chicken on Yom Tov, Lot Te'achel, meaning do not eat it. And that's the normal thing you do with an egg. But as Tosafot explains, the entire egg is Mukseh. Just to review it, Mukseh is, Mukseh is items, whether it's Shabbat or Yom Tov, that are forbidden to, to handle, to move. And there's different forms of Mukseh. We'll see exactly what type of Mukseh the egg falls into. So that is the first Mahloket. Now we get to another Mahloket, unrelated. The only reason why we discuss the second Mahloket is because it's another case where Betelel is stringent and Bet Shemai is lenient. The next case is Bet 
שמאי אומרים שאור בכזית וחמס בכותבת regarding the law of Pesach the Torah says that on Pesach one is not allowed to eat seor seor is a leavening agent of course it is asur to eat seor but seor is more severe than hametz because a leavening agent not only itself is hametz but it could make something else hametz for example you put that sour dough we'll call it into another dough and it's able to cause it to rise so therefore the shi'ud of seor is going to be a kezayit which is a small shi'ud so mahlokan is a kezayit half of a betzah or a third of a betzah in any event betchamay says seor we're strict on however v'hametz bechakotevet hametz is something that is hametz but it does not have the strength to make something else hametz so that's just kakotevet that is a shi'ud of a day which is bigger than a kezayit. Betelel omrim zeh vazeh bekezayit. Betelel again is mahmir. He says both seor and hametz to be hayab is on the smallest shiur of a kezayit. And now we go to the third mahluk. And again, unrelated to the previous two cases, <coughs> where you see a third case where betelel is mahmir and betshamay is mekel. Hashochet kayab ha'ov b'yom tov. One that slaughters uh, an animal, bird, on Yom Tov. Which means on Yom Tov, it is permissible the melakot of Ochen Nefesh. As opposed to Shabbat, one is forbidden to prepare food on Shabbat. Certainly one is not allowed to slaughter food and prepare it. However, on Yom Tov, the Torah gives a dispensation to prepare food. So Shehaita would be technically permissible on Yom Tov. Now, once a person shohet an animal, now he has the obligation of the Bezav Kisui Haddam. Or he has to take dirt. And he has to cover the blood. So the case over here is he shuhet chayav ha'ov b'yom tov bet shamay omrim yachpor b'deker v'chaseh. Bet shamay says, let him take the shovel and let him, you know, take the dirt and let him cover the uh, cover the blood. Yachpor b'deker. Now, bet tadel omrim lo yishchot. Bet tadel says, no, don't get involved. Don't slaughter the animal. Elaimkin ayalu afar muchan mebe'od yom. Unless you had already afar that was prepared before Yom Tov. Which means like this. <clears throat> Getting involved in Kisui Adam can run yourself into certain problems in the Halakha. Mm-hmm. Number one, you're digging. That can be a problem of Chofer. Right. Digging a hole could also be a problem of Boneh. The dirt which is hard by you know, granulating it, it can be a problem of Tohen. And therefore, there's a lot of problems involved in making this mitzvah kisui adam. So the opinion of Betelel is, listen, if you prepared the afar from before Yom Tov, meaning you dug it already, you designated it, it's granulated, and therefore you got rid of all the isurim, then you're allowed to slaughter on Yom Tov, because there's no isur in now making the mitzvah kisui adam. Already you prepared the afar, there's no problem with muqseh as well. <coughs> However, according to Betelel, if you didn't prepare, so then already, we're not going to let you slaughter <coughs> and then get involved in uh, the Mizraf Kisui Adam. Umudim, however, even Betelel agrees, Shim Shahat Bidi'avad. If the guy did slaughter, Shiyahpur Baddeker Vikhaseh. That indeed you can cover the uh, Afar, you can cover the blood. The Gemara is going to say, Yahpur Baddeker, the case is talking where the Deker actually was in the dirt from before Yom Tov. And therefore, it's going to alleviate some of the problems. So again, we're not going to get into the details of all these cases, just to get the simple point of the case, that if the Deker was in the dirt, mm-hmm. when he gets thrusted in the dirt before Yom Tov, and Bidi Avad, 
you're slaughtered, then already but the less lenient he lets you uh, cover the uh, blood. Now the last point of the Mishnah is not related actually to the last uh, line here. She'efer kira muchanu. The Mishnah says because the efer, the ashes of an oven are prepared. Who's talking about ashes? Who's talking about ovens? So the Gemara will explain that we're discussing over a case where you made shechita on Yom Tov and you need to make Yisui Adam. So they tell you that Betelel will allow you to use the ashes of the oven. That's a good item to use for Kisui Adam. Ah, your tummy is mukseh. It's going to say no. Uh, once already there's ashes in the oven, it's considered prepared for that usage. And therefore it's as if it's in the person's mind, before Yom Tov comes in, that you're going to use it for things that you need, which is for example, Kisui Adam. So the Mishnah is just telling you, Efer Kira Muchanu. You should know that if it came down to it that you need to use the effort of the Kira, don't worry, it's Muchan, it's not Mukseh, and you can use it again. We'll wait for the Gemara to give us the, uh, you know, the uh, anal- analyzing all these cases. So let's review again. <clears throat> Amishnah basically discusses three situations. It discusses the case of Betzah Shenolda It discusses the case of Hametz and Seor. Again, Machloket Betzah Betel on the Shi'ur, that one is going to be Hayav. And then the, the Shekita on Yom Tov, followed by Kisui Adam. Machloket Betzah and Betelel. And then the Gemara Mishnah concludes the Bidi'avad of Betelel. If you did slaughter, it's okay. If the Dekir was in the uh, Afar. And Efer Kira Mukhan Hu. And now the Gemara begins <coughs> to analyze the Mishnah. Gemara Bimai Askinan. Okay, you told me you have a Betzah Shinoda. Now obviously he was born from a chicken. What type of chicken are we talking about? Now there are two types of chickens. There's a chicken that's Omed La'achila. That's a chicken that's designated for eating purposes. Where you're going to slaughter it and uh, eat it. There's another type of chicken that's omed lebetzim, which means it's really a uh, a laying uh, egg chicken designated for that, and really you don't eat it. So the Gemara is going to analyze which one of the two chickens is the Mishnah talking about. The Ma'askin and what's the case of the Mishnah? If it's a chicken that goes into Yom Tov, designated for achila purposes. My tamayu de betelil. How could betelil say that the egg is mukseh? Why? Uchla de afrat hu. It's considered food that has uh, separated from food, which means just like the tanegolet itself is not mukseh, right? The tanegolet is not mukseh. It's food. Can I store this tanegol on uh, Yom Tov? Certainly. Can I eat it? Of course. It's omedet la'achila. And therefore, it would be analogous to a person having a loaf of bread. Okay? It's complete. Now I cut a slice of bread. Can I eat that slice of bread? Of course. It came from bread. Something that comes from food is considered food. It's uchla de ifrat. It's considered food that's separated from food. And therefore, this egg over here, since it was attached to the mother, which was considered ochel, so it's considered ochel that's separated from ochel. There's no mukseh on that. When do we see a case where you have food that is mukseh? It's not even in cutting a slice of bread. Rashi's lashon is, uchlad de ifrat, ochel shinifrad. Food that was separated. Tosfot also says, pirush, ochel and nifrad mina ochel. Da betza shinol da bidifredai mina tanigolet. Which means you could have slaughtered the whole chicken and eaten it while it was in the 
inside, which is if you slaughtered the chicken, the egg is also considered part of the chicken, it's considered food. So what's the difference if it came out? It came out, it's also considered food that's separated from food. So therefore the Gemara is asking, if the case is talking about a Tanegola that's omedit. La'akhila, why in the world should Bet Hillel be mahmir? There's no uh, muksa in such a case. The Gemara says, Ela, Bet Tanegolet, Ha'omedet, Legadel, Betzin. Ah, must be talking about the other case, where it's a chicken that's not omedet for akhila. It's really omedet for its eggs. Okay? So if it's omedet for its eggs, the Gemara says, Mai ta'amayu de Bet Shamay. How could Bet Shammai be lenient? Because he's allowing you, again, you have a, a chicken, it's not Omed Akhila. So technically the chicken itself, you cannot use it on Yom Tov. Right? Now you have this egg that comes out of it on Yom Tov. Bet Shammai is telling you, eat it, it's not Mukseh. What do you mean? How could that be? Mukseh, it is Mukseh. Now what type of Mukseh are we talking about? The Mukseh that we're discussing over here would be a Mukseh called Nolad. Which means like this. This chicken was not on the person's mind going into Yom Tov. He knows it's off limits. He cannot eat it. It's not Omed Akhila. If it was on his mind going into Yom Tov, then it's not Mukseh, because his mind is on it. And the rules of Mukseh are, if the person had intention to use the item on Yom Tov or Shabbat, and it went into Shabbat with his intention to use it, then it's not Mukseh. This chicken over here, it's not Omed Akhila. He knows it's off limits to him. He cannot slaughter it. He cannot eat it. Good. But what about the egg that's in its womb? Well, the guy's not thinking about the egg that's in its womb. It's not here yet. It's inside. He doesn't even know if there's an egg inside or not. After all, chickens don't give birth to eggs every day. And therefore, all of a sudden, when this egg surfaces on Yom Tov, we consider that mukseh. But what form of mukseh is this? Nolad. Nolad is something that was created on Shabbat or Yom Tov that was not there from before, or at least a person did not anticipate it or know that it was there. And the Gemara is assuming that even Bet Shammai holds of the concept of Nolad. And therefore you tell me it's a Betza, it's a Tabnegole, that's omedit for the Betzim. No, omedit for the eggs. In the chicken itself is off limits. Ella what? What's inside of it? What's inside? We have no idea what's inside of it. And the guy before Yom Tov, he doesn't know that there's an egg in there. Is going to surface or not going to surface? So the Kaurah, Bet Shammai should say, oh. It should be Mukseh. So the Gemara says, hold it. Umay Kushya. That's your question? What's the question? Dilma Bet Shammai let le Mukseh. Maybe Bet Shammai doesn't hold the laws of Mukseh. What does that mean, doesn't hold the laws of Mukseh? Masekha Shabbat discusses the laws of Mukseh extensively. We never saw opinion that doesn't hold the Mukseh. So remember, we had a great mahalok between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda. And the Gemara Shabbat said, Rabbi Yehuda eat le Mukseh, Rabbi Shimon let le Mukseh. Now, when the Gemara says Rabbi Shimon let le Mukseh, doesn't mean he doesn't hold up the concept of Mukseh. Of course he holds the concept of Mukseh. As we'll see, that even certain Mukseh Rabbi Shimon agrees to. It's just that he has more lenient opinion. There's certain cases that he holds that is okay. So the Gemara says <coughs> that, what's the question? Maybe Bet Shammai subscribes to Rabbi Shimon's opinion, and just like in Masikat Shabbat, we learned that Rabbi Shimon let le mukseh, and we're assuming let le mukseh, any form of mukseh meaning including nolad, and therefore Bet Shammai's got no problem. Now, the actual case where Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon argued on, was in the case of a nir, he had a, uh, a receptacle that had uh, oil in it, and a wick, and you lit it before Shabbat. Now obviously the nir is mukseh, 
as long as it's lit, because uh, it's a fire. You can't move the uh, the uh, the fire on Shabbat. The machloket is after it went out. Okay, now it went out on Shabbat, obviously. Now there's a little extra oil. The Biuda says, Mukseh, you cannot touch that oil. Since it went into Shabbat, Mukseh, meaning off, it's not on your mind when it went into Shabbat, it was uh, lit. Therefore, even if it goes out on Shabbat, the oil that's residual, you can't move it. It's Mukseh. The Bishamon says, no. When the guy lit it, he knows eventually it's going to go out. So his mind is, when it goes out, I'm going to use it. So there's what, one of the famous cases where the Bishop on and the Yehuda argue on the residual oil that comes out. So the Bishop she does Adam Yoshevu Mitzapeh. A person sits and anticipates when the uh, candle is going to go out, therefore you can use the oil. The Yehuda is Mahmir. That's what the Gabbara says. The Bishop on, let the Mukseh. For example, in that case, the Yehuda, eat the Mukseh. So we're assuming when the Bishop says no Mukseh, he agrees also there's no Mukseh Nolad. And therefore, that's the case. We have a chicken. The chicken is all made for its bitzim. And therefore, you're right. Even though the guy in his brain is not thinking about any eggs inside. He doesn't even know if there's an egg inside. And it was just nolad, it surfaced, it was born on Yom Tov. Bitch, I will say, okay. After all, I go like the Mishuan. I don't hold of Mukseh. Kebara says, oh, kalsal kadatain. At this point, we're thinking, afilu man deshari bimukseh benolad asar. Now, at this point, we're saying, no, no, no. Even Rabbi Shimon, that is lenient in Mukseh, but in Nolad he's Osir. As we said, Rabbi Shimon is lenient in Mukseh, not every Mukseh. Nolad is worse. You know why Nolad is worse? Because it wasn't even there. In the case of the oil, the guy going into his way, he sees the oil in front of him, he knows that it's going to go out. And therefore in his mind he says, when it goes out, I'm going to use it. But even Rabbi Shimon that was lenient by the oil case, could be he's Mahmir by Nolad. Oh, so we're back to a question then. If Rabbi Shimon, even the lenient opinion of Baimukseh, says that Nolad is Asur, what's the reason of Bechamai? Why is the uh, egg over there, Mutar, Lechaurat, should be Asur? Amar of Nachman. So Rav Nachman says, Le'olam betanegolet ha'omedet legedel betzim. Really, it's talking about a tanegolet that's standing to, uh, for the eggs. Udi'it le'mukseh, it le'nolad. Vedelet le'mukseh, let le'nolad. And the Gebara says, yeah, our havamina is wrong. Really, mukseh and nolad are the same. And therefore, the Bishimon that is lenient in Mukseh, he's also lenient in Nolad. And Bet Shammai subscribes to the Bishamon's opinion, and therefore, yes, even though this is a case of Nolad, Tazmai is going to be uh, lenient. So that's the Gebaram. The Gebaram says, Bet Shammai could be Shimon, Bet Shammai is going to agree to the Bishamon, who Bet could be Yehuda. Finish. And that's why I quote to the Yehuda. This is considered full-fledged Nolad. The Tadnegol is omed at the Betzin, the guy in his mind going into Yom Tov was not thinking about this egg. He didn't even know who was there. Now it surfaces and is laid on Yom Tov. So Betta is going to say, this is the full-fledged Nolad. And I go with the Yudan. If you hold the Mukseh, you hold the Nolad. So therefore that's the Gemara's answer at this point according to Rav Nachman. So the Gemara says, Rav Nachman actually say that Betelel follows the Yehuda? That Betelel is usually the lenient opinion. He's going to take the Yehuda in Mukseh that is Mahmid. Did Rav Nachman actually say that? Be'atenan, we learned in the Mishnah. Bet Shammai Omrim, Magbihi me'ala shulhan, 
Atzamot v'kilipin. We're talking about over here, a person finished uh, his dinner, let's say, on Shabbat, whatever the meal was. Now he has on the table Atzamot v'kilipin, bones and kilipin shells of the uh, food. They are the refuse of the food that he ate. So Bechamai says he could actually take the bones with his hands. Right. Take the bones and remove them off the table. You can't actually handle the bones and the shells directly, but you're able to shake the table and they'll fall you know, by themselves. You want to clear the table. Now, this is Mahlok and Bechamai and Betelel. Now, the Rav Nachman on this Mishnah commented and said, "Ve'amar Rav Nachman, Anu elanu ela betshamai kerbi Yehuda u'betelel kerbi Shimon." The Beit Rav Nachman comes along and says this Mishnah is inaccurate. We have the Shitot reversed, meaning our uh, tradition is that it's actually Rabbi betshamai uh, that is the Mahmir in this Mishnah. That he says you cannot handle the Atzamot and Kilipin directly, and it is indeed uh, Betelel that's lenient. Meaning, we go that Betelel follows the Bishamon, therefore you can actually move the bones directly, and Betshamai is the Mahmir. And therefore, this is a direct question against Abdahman. You just told us, Abdahman, that Betelel goes like the Bihuda. That Betelel is the Mahmid in Mukseh. You told me he holds of Mukseh, he holds of Nolad. What are you talking? Rav Nachman, you yourself, when we learned the Mishnah Masikat Shabbat, you reversed it. You told us that the Mishnah is inaccurate. And you said you have to reverse the Shittot. That indeed Betelel is the opinion that says you can take the bones with your hands and move them <coughs> off the table. So that's the Stira against Rav Nachman. Now, the... Uh, question is over here, what type of bones are we talking about over here? Stop to understand the case in that Mishnah. So, according to the Tosafot, he understands that these bones over here are considered food for animals. And therefore the Mishnah is lenient because, again, when the person <coughs> goes into Shabbat, he knows that what he's going to eat is going to turn into bones. That even though and now going into Shabbat, it's not fit for, for animals, yet, because it's fit for human consumption. But since he knows that it's going to come into fodder for the animals, so therefore the beast was lenient, not even Mukseh. I could pick up these bones and kilipin and feed it to the animals. That's the Bishamon's logic, whereas the Bihuda says no. Bottom line, since it went into Shabbat, non fit for animals, now on Shabbat it becomes fit, it stays Mukseh, which is the bones and the uh, shells, all off limits. That's the way Tosfot understands. <coughs> that she has a different understanding. He says, no, we're talking about bones and shells over here that are not even Ra'ui for animals. Now all the rabbis ask on Shittat Rashi. Bones that are not even fit for animals, even the Bishim'on holds on Mukseh. Because that's considered Mukseh Mahmad Gufo. That uh, has no function. Even the Bishim'on holds, again, he holds Letle Mukseh, but he does hold of certain right. concepts of Mukseh. So how can Rashi, uh, that's the answer. So the answer in Rashi is that what? That since it's disgusting to have all these bones on the table, so therefore the Bishim'on will be lenient that what? Since it's Mi'usov, it's uh, disgusting not to keep them on the, ta- to keep them on the table, so therefore he allows uh, you to take it over. That's the way they answer Shitat Rashi. In any event, we have a contradiction in Rav Nachman. Now, it should be noted to Sfot also points out another question over here. 
according to the opinion that says you can shake the table. Yeah. Right? So obviously he's the Mahmid opinion. Because he's saying you cannot come in contact directly with the bones and the shells. Uh, what do you mean? The table seemingly becomes what's called in halakha, basis. A basis is a basis right. holding mukseh. Now we know that not only is mukseh asur, but the base of mukseh also becomes asur. So the Tosafot gives a few answers. He says one answer is, according to the Ben Utam, the Ben Utam held that a basis is only when a person places it there with intention to leave it there for the whole Shabbat. That makes a basis. Here, when the guy put the bones on the table, of course he doesn't have intention to leave it there. It doesn't make it a basis. Therefore, he can shake it off. Secondly, on the table, you have food. Besides the isur, you have eter. And therefore, it's considered a basis. Vidvara isur, vidvara eter. And especially when the eter is more valuable than the isur, of course, the food that's on the table has more value than the shells and the bones. So therefore, you would have no problem with basis. And therefore, they allow you to shake it off. In any event, the Gebrah is asking a contradiction in Lav Nachman. How could you tell me that Rabbi Yehuda? Betelel is going like Rabbi Yehuda. You yourself are the one that said Betelel is going like Rabbi Shimon. Gebrah is Amalekar of Nachman. Shabbat. Which means, let's say it outside. We have a rule like this. When you have a Mishnah, and the Mishnah gives us a Halakha, uh, right? And there's no Mahlokit uh, over here. Halakha says, when the Biyudan Nasi wrote the Mishnayot, in order to give us a hint who he's going like in the halakha, he would write what's called the Setam Mishnah, which means he would write a certain halakha, and there's nobody arguing on it, and this would be the halakha. Now, in Masechet Shabbat, we have a Stam Mishnah. And what does it say in the Stam Mishnah? So it says that none. Case number one. On Shabbat, you're allowed to cut the gourd in front of the animal to give it to him on Shabbat. Now the subject though is obviously we're talking about where the gourd was detached from the ground. Obviously it's a suit to detach a gourd from the ground on Shabbat. It'll be tolish. So what's the Hadush over here? So that she just says... Not a mukseh issue. The issue is tenhashelo letzorech. She's when you're cutting up the gourd, it's exertion. It takes a torah. So the first halusha mishnah is no that to cut the gourd up into pieces to give it to the animal. It's not considered an additional torah, an exertion. Then puts mutar on Shabbat. Next case of the mishnah. The next case of the mishnah is ve'et nebela lefnei kilabim. Oh, it says that you have an animal that became a nebela. That means you had an animal that was alive, went into Shabbat alive. Okay? Now obviously a live animal, your mind is, you're not going to give it to the dogs. This is good. After Shabbat, I'll slaughter it, I'll eat it myself. So therefore, you're not all made to give this animal to, to the dogs. What happened? On Shabbat, it died. Oh, in Shabbat it died. So now, Rabbi Shimon says, give it to the uh, dogs. It's not mukseh. Oh, so you see over here, we have a Stam Mishnah that's allowing you to give a nevela that became a nevela on Shabbat. No. You're allowed to give it to the dogs. And that's a Stam Mishnah. So therefore what? On Shabbat, we see the Biudan Nasi was posek like the Bishimon. Now let's just read the Rashi. The bottom Rashi on the daf. 
ואף על פי שנתנבלה בשבת. אין And put him with Rabbi Shimon. Halakha kebetelel, halakha kestam mishnah. So therefore, Rabbi Nachman says, in Masechet Shabbat, where we have a stam mishnah like Rabbi Shimon, so therefore, I want to make all the opinions of betelel, the feed halakha. So when I got to that mishnah, and you told me betelel is the opinion that says you can't pick up the bones, I said, no sir. You got it backwards. But there's the opinion that you can't pick up the bones. Because Stam Mishnah Rabbi Shimon and Halakha Stam Mishnah. I don't want. I don't want to make Betilel who the Halakha is like him and make contradicting Stam Mishnah. So in Masechet Shabbat, Nachman went out of his way to change Betilel to put him like Rabbi Shimon. Let's read that in Nashi. Hilkach Magbihin Me'ala Shulchan. Taking the bones off the table, they mighty be Shabbat mukim the betelel. The nimru can be shown that will say he's going like the bishimon. Kihechi the lo tikshel cheta el cheta. We don't want to ask a contradiction in the halachot. Why the kaimalan halacha kestam mishnah? The kaimalan halacha betel abal kabe yom tov that's kind of stam kere bi yuda. We're going to see now in in yom tov the bi yuda nasi wrote a stam mishnah like the bi yuda. Wow. So for some reason on Yom Tov It's different than Shabbat It's more Mahmid than Shabbat yeah. And therefore the Stam Mishnah on Yom Tov is Rabbi Yehuda And therefore It's very good We're going to say that Rabbi Nachman Since he had a Stam Mishnah in Yom Tov Like Rabbi Yehuda He's going to put Betelel Like Rabbi Yehuda So again Halakha ke Stam Mishnah Halakha ke Betelel So basically Rabbi Nachman was following a formula Wherever my, whatever my Stam Mishnah is, I want to make Betelel like the Stam Mishnah. So in Masechet Shabbat, my Stam is like Rabbi Shimon. But Betelel like Rabbi Shimon. In Yom Tov, my Stam Mishnah is like Rabbi Yehuda. I put it like, uh, put Betelel like Rabbi Yehuda. The only question is, why? You know, why, why over here, you Mahmin, why over there, Mekir? Let's give us next, uh, give us a question. Abal, continue. Abal. So again, Mokimla, the Betelel, Rabbi Shimon. Abal, Gabbe Yom Tov. The Stam Lantana Kribi Yehuda. By Yom Tov we have a Stam Mishnah Kribi Yehuda. Why? What does it say? Ditnan, we have a Mishnah. En mebakeim etzim min hakorot. You're not allowed to uh, take wood from the piles of wood that you have piled from before Yom Tov to use them as fuel. Now what's the reason? Because these pieces of wood over here are omed for building purposes. When a person piles them up, that means he's using it for construction. Right. It's not in the guy's mind to use wood for construction for fuel. Now I want you to know, this first opinion is going to go to everybody. Even Rabbi Shimon, that's lenient in Mukseh, mm-hmm. he holds of a Mukseh of Hesaron Kis. Hesaron Kis is something that's very valuable 
that a person will not use it for anything else but its, it's purpose. purpose, even if Bishamon agrees that it is Mukseh. So this case of the Mishnah is actually going like everybody, because this is Hasaron Kisove, that's why a guy's not going to use good plywood that you could use for construction to throw it in the fire as fuel. But the next case of the Mishnah says the following, Velo Furthermore, a piece of wood that broke on Yom Tov, Mukseh. Who's that going like? Rabbi Yudah. Because since it went into Yom Tov, Mukseh, right? I don't care if it now broke. Once it breaks, it really doesn't come valuable anymore for, right, for building. Right. But still, Rabbi Yudah says, since it went in, it's, it's going to be Mukseh. So you see what? You see, according to the Stam Mishnah by Yom Tov, we're going like Rabbi Yudah. So therefore... So the Gemara says, Let's analyze. Who's the author of the Mishnayot that made the Stam Mishnayot? Rabbi. The same rabbi. Same rabbis that made the Mishnayot in Shabbat, made the Mishnayot in Yom Tov. What made him change Rabbi Yehuda? Why did when it came to Shabbat, Mekel? Go like Rabbi Shimon, we don't go like Mukseh. When it came to Yom Tov, oh, Stam Lan Rabbi Yehuda. What's the difference? Why Shabbat you Mekel and Yom Tov you Mahmir? On the contrary, seemingly, Shabbat is more Hamur. We know Shabbat is punishable by Sikilan and Karet. Yom Tov is only punishable by Malkut. Right. So therefore, if there's any place we should be Mahmir, we should be Mahmir by Shabbat. Shabbat. The Gemara says, for that exact reason, that's why we make him. Why? Amre, the people are going to say like this, Shabbat de Hamira, since Shabbat we know is Hamur. Shabbat's got a Sikila punishment, it's got a Karet punishment. People are not going to come to be Mizalzeh, not going to come to be uh, mistreated, because they know how severe it is. Therefore, you can be lenient and you could trust them that they're not going to take these leniencies further. How Satam Lan Shimon, the Mikhail. So he went like the Bishon that's lenient. Yom Tov Dekil. Yom Tov because it's lenient. Right. It's only punishable by Malkut. And you have things you're allowed to do on Yom Tov. Ochel Nefesh is permissible. So already the attitude in people's minds is hey, Yom Tov is uh, not so serious. That to the If we're going to be more lenient now in the laws of Mukseh, they're going to take it to, uh, to another level. Therefore, Satam Lan Therefore, he felt Rabbi Yehuda that is. So let's just review what exactly happened in this Gemara. The Gemara started off trying to understand what's the case of Amishnah. What's the case? So the Gemara comes out, it's talking about a Betzah that's omitted the Gadel Betzim. And according to Betzamai, Letle Mukse, and when we say Letle Mukse, he doesn't hold of even Nolad. And therefore, even though this is a classical case of Nolad, it wasn't there before Yom Tov. And it just surfaced on Yom Tov, and your mind really wasn't on, on it. it. Doesn't matter, Bet Shabbat is going to say, the Achel, no problem. Because he holds like Rabbi Shimon. Now that's by Yom Tov. And Bet is going to hold like Rabbi Yehuda by Yom Tov. By Yom Tov. And that's why the egg is going to be Nolad. And it was going to be Asur. 
And that same Rav Nachman, however, by Masechet Shabbat, said that on Shabbat, Rabbi Shimon and Betelel are in the same shita. Why? Because Shabbat, you can afford to be lenient. Because since in the people's minds, they know Shabbat is so stringent in the Talachot, you can be lenient to them, not worrying that they're going to take it to a, uh, another level of Isur. So that's basically the Gemara's answer now. Now I want to point out, <coughs> Tosfot over has a very interesting question. Tosfot says that in the case where the plank broke on Yom Tov, so you wanted to tell me, according to the Bihuda, Mukseh, since it went into the Yom Tov, Mukseh, so now that it broke, cannot change its status, going in, good. Now this implies that the Bishop will say it's okay. That comes with those forces, hold it. Rabbi Shimon only was lenient in a case where you can anticipate something happening. For example, in the case of the oil, you know that eventually the candle is going to go out. A candle eventually extinguishes. So they were going into Shabbat, he's thinking uh, when it goes out, I'll use it. But if you have a perfectly fit uh, beam, right? And now it breaks on Yom Tov. Do we say that the guy going into Yom Tov had in his mind, when it breaks, I'm going to use it? Jeez, that's not... Gemara over there answered that the animal was talking about was a sick animal. We already were able to anticipate. But over here, what are you going to say with the beam? So Tosfot says similarly, you have to say that the beam was a weak beam going into Yom Tov, where if it broke on Yom Tov, it just didn't break from nothing. It must have broke because it was weak going in. So therefore you can say in the Bishamon, he was anticipating it. That's why he holds this not. Comes the Gemara and continues. Bemai Ukimta. How did you establish our Mishnah? Betanegolet haomedet legadel betzim. You want to say it's a tanegol that's omedet legadel betzim. Umishum mukseh. And the whole issue of the uh, Mishnah is Bet Shemai says not mukseh. Bet Tzedek says mukseh. So that, that that's really the machlok that you're trying to uh, to teach us over here. If that's the case, instead of giving me the mahloket on the egg that comes out of the chicken, just give me a case of the chicken, which is you didn't need to go to the egg, which means if the egg, the chicken itself is omed, if you don't hold the mukseh, like Bet Shabai, the chicken is permissible. If you hold like Betelet that there is Mukseh, the chicken is feminine, which is why did you have to jump to the case of the egg? You could have made your point of just as well from the chicken. Yeah. Again, yeah. what's the mahluk of Betelet? Do you hold the Mukseh or don't you hold the Mukseh? Good. So, you needed the egg to prove this point? The chicken was just as good to prove it, which means it's a chicken that's mukseh with, because it's all medley gadel, If you don't hold the mukseh like bechamai, mutar. If you hold the mukseh like betelel, it's says so. So why jump to the case of the egg? So comes the Gemara and says, the acha kohan de bechamai. He's coming to teach you the strength of the argument of bechamai. That what? De benolad shara. It's coming to tell you that what? If it just would have taught us by the by the chicken. So I would say, okay, the chicken is here. So bottom line, if you don't love the mukseh, you can use the chicken. But maybe nolad, nolad is worse. Nolad wasn't here. I would say maybe even Bechamai agrees that nolad is asur. So that's why it gave me the case of the egg to tell me how lenient Bechamai was. That not only is he lenient by the chicken, but he's even lenient by the egg, where it's a nolad, where it wasn't there. And therefore it's a hadus, why it gave the case of the egg. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara says, hold it. 
כן, כי מי זה קייסו דה צ'יקן אגן? להודיעך כוחן דה בית הלל, תמוקסי אסרה. שכמי דה אדר סייד. תל מי איך שטריקט בית הלל איז, ושאם תל מי מחלוק איז נקייסו דה צ'יקן, יגידו שאו מי דה בית הלל איז נאט אולי מחמיר בנולד, that's for sure, but he's even מחמיר to say it's מוקסי by the actual chicken that was there, which means just like you're showing me the strength of בית שמאי, I can show you the strength of בית הלל on the מחמיר סייד. We normally have a rule that if we want to uh, point out a side of a mahluket, it's always better to point out the more lenient opinion. Why? Because it's much harder to be lenient than it is to be mahmir. To be mahmir, anybody could say asur. But to say mutar, then already you have to have, you know, you have to have proofs, you have to have rayot, you have to have uh, 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 logic. So therefore, I'll tell you like this. You know why I want to give Bet Shemais Hiddush? He's the matir over here. I want to show you not how mahmir Bet is. Anybody can say asur. I want to tell you the case of the egg to show you that even in the case of Nolad, Bet Shemais is... Matir, that's why I gave you the case of the egg. So the Gemara says, wait, v'niflog b'tarvayu. Which means, if that was the case, really, the Mishnah, without using too many extra words, could have given me both cases. And could have said like this, t'anegolet ha'omedet legadel betzim, hi u'betzata. And we could have gave the cases regarding the chicken itself, and the Betzah. Bet Shammai Omrim Ta'achel, or Bet Elel Omrim Lo Ta'achel. Which means really, the Mishnah could have given us the Hidush of Bet Elel, as well as the Hidush of Bet Shammai. Now normally the Gemara doesn't do this, but since you didn't have to add too many extra words to the Mishnah, and you'd be able to get the Kawah of Bet Elel, of the Mahmir, as well as the Kawah of the Matir, why not do that? And how would you do that? Let the Mishnah say, that's Good. He, Ubetzata. And I'm getting everything now. I'm getting the fact that Betel is so mahmir, even on the chicken. And I'm getting Betchamai that's so mekel, even by the egg, which is Nolad. And because of this question, the Gemara rejects the entire interpretation. Because if that was the answer of the Mishnah, that was a Tamnegol, a Taumet, a Tegadil Betzim, the Mishnah would have wrote it differently. And from the fact that it didn't, that is not the case of the Mishnah. So now we're back to the original question. What type of Tamnegolet are we talking about? We're Bet Shemai and Bet Elel argued. Ela, again, Ela is always a rejection. Ela Maraba, Leolam, Betamnegolet, Oh, now we're talking about really what's omedet la'achila. Now we ask the question on this on that bit, on Amud Rishon. We said if it's omedet la'achila, so then the egg that comes out is food that came out of food. That's like a slice of bread. And therefore why should Betelel, even if he's mahmir on Mukseb, on Yom Tov, why should he be mahmir by the case of the egg that comes out of the chicken that's omedet la'achila? So give us no, ubi Yom Tov, shechal liyot, achara Shabbat askina. The Mishnah is talking about a specific case, when we said it's not just a regular Yom Tov it's a Yom Tov that falls out on a Sunday which means the Yom Tov was preceded by a Shabbat so what? the issue is over here which literally means preparation Rabbah, as we're going to see immediately has a very interesting opinion his position is as follows 
any seuda that's considered a seuda hashuva, seuda hashuva would mean like the seuda of Yom Tov or the seuda of Shabbat. So you need to actually prepare the food and designate it verbally by saying this food over here is for Yom Tov or this food over here is for Shabbat. Now he derives some pesukim that this preparation for food, for Yom Tov, can only be done from a weekday. Which means, Yom Tov is on Monday, so Sunday, which is a weekday, Hol Mechin Le Shabbat. However, Yom Tov, or Shabbat, is not Mechin for Yom Tov. Meaning, on Shabbat, you're not allowed to prepare, not only cook, we know you can't cook, that's for sure you can't cook. We're talking about even verbally prepare the food and say, this food over here is now for Yom Tov. The preparation of the food, the designation of the food, has to be done from Hall to uh, Yom Tov or Hall to Shabbat. And since in the case of the Mishnah, the case is talking about Yom Tov that fell after Shabbat, so now the egg hatched, or not hatched, the egg was laid on Yom Tov. But we have a rule. Any egg that was laid on, let's say, Yom Tov, it was finished in the mother's womb 24 hours before. Yeah. Is the egg in its process of becoming an egg, the, it finishes on the day before, and then it takes a day, let's say, for it to no. come out. And therefore, in this case, when was the egg prepared Shabbat. on Shabbat. Oh, you cannot have preparation on Shabbat for Yom Tov. Which is if the case was talking about Yom Tov was on a Monday and the egg gave the egg came out on a Monday, no so Sunday was whole. The egg became finished in the mother's womb on a Sunday, whole, no problem. However, since we're talking about a specific case of Sunday Yom Tov, obviously followed by a Shabbat, that's the problem. Where is Rabah? Learn this Hindush of Hachanan. Incidentally, in Shas they call this concept Hachanah de Rabbah. The Hadachah, the preparation of Rabbah. The Kasabah Rabbah, Rabbah holds. Kol Betsa. Any egg that's hatched or born today, Me'itmol Gamrala. It was finished the day before. What does it mean when it says in the Pasuk by the man? On Friday, they will prepare on Friday what they're going to bring on Shabbat. So they're going to have to prepare the man on Friday for Shabbat. Now, obviously, Rashi points out, this is not referring to preparing the food by cooking it, or uh, baking it, etc. Because the pasuk clearly says, "Etasher efu efu vetasher tebashelu bashelu." See, the Torah already tells us you obviously have to cook the food on Friday. So, what is this designation of pre- preparing it in what sense? So that she learned it's a verbal preparation where you're coming along and saying, "This food over here is for Shabbat." Hol mechin the Shabbat. Now, in the case of the Torah, Yom Shishi was what? A regular chol, wasn't it Yom Tov? Yeah. And, but that's the normal case of a Friday. And therefore, chol mechin le Shabbat. A week they can prepare for Shabbat. The chol mechin le Yom Tov. And for that matter, chol can prepare for Yom Tov. The end Yom Tov mechin le Shabbat. 
then Shabbat Mechina Liyom Tov. So that's the case, which is he learns it from a pasuk in the Torah. Let's read Rashi. Rashi says, Vechinu. See Rashi Vechinu. Actually, let's read Rashi. Dechol betzad mitzaledah idana. Any egg that's born today, meetmol gamrala ba'afalgad dibidesh shamayim who. Which means, who prepared the egg? Hashem prepared the egg. Which means, we're not in control of the... Man. Of the not the man. Oh, we're not in control of the egg in the chicken's uh, embryo. In the chicken's uh, womb. So even though the hachana was done by the shamayim, still Rava says, it's asur. Asur, the ba'inan kol se'udot shabab v'se'udot yom tov, shiun mezumanot umukhrobe be'ojom shilchol. Again, fact, no hadush. The Saudot of Shabbat and Yom which are Saudot Hashuvot, they have to be already designated and prepared the day before on a hall. Where do you see that Rabbah is also even, uh, uh, you know, verbal, if you would verbally designate the food? Right? And we don't know if we actually have Mukseh Doraita because we're learning it from Pesukim. Vehizminu, kegon, what did he do? Mikan ani ochel lemachar. Means you have to actually go before the Shabbat on hol. I'm eating from this food, mahar. Di'i mishu machana biyadayim. Maybe the pasuk was telling me no. Prepare it, meaning cook it and bake it. She says no. Ve'lavar shiyofu v'bashilu be'od yom be'ed yaketiv et asher tofu efu. El azmana be'pek kamaruktiv ba'yom ashishi v'stam shishi hol. Correct. A normal Friday is chol. And therefore, next Rashi, in Yom Tov mechina Shabbat. Yom Tov cannot prepare for Shabbat. The Yom Tov namek karu Shabbat. Yom Tov is also called a Shabbat. So therefore, it's the same. Yom Tov and Shabbat are equal in this halacha. Ubaya seudato hazmana. The hazmanata b'chol. And the hazmana is going to be on the hol. Now, now she's going to ask the question. Why don't you take it a step further? Maybe you'll tell me even my weekday meal, meaning a regular Sunday, mm-hmm. Shabbat, an egg was born on a Sunday. Okay? Sunday's whole. Hey, Shabbat prepared me for uh, for the Sunday. So maybe that should be a suit as well. So that she's about Saudat Khol Lo Hashiva. Saudat Khol is not a Hashuv Saudah. The Lo Shaykh Which means only on Saudat Hashuvot you need a designation. Hilkach Be Had Be Shabbat Be Alma on a regular Sunday. Let Allah Mesad Be Sashin Oda Be Mishum Deit Kan Be Deshamaim. The Saudat Khol Lo Itzlecha Rahmana Zimun Be Be'ajom. The Lo Shaykh Be Mukse. There's no mukse on chol, uh, and therefore, and it's not a suda hashuva. That will be preparation. So this law only applies to Shabbat and Yom Tov. That before has to come from a chol. So now we go back. What's the case of our Mishnah? When you're learning the Mishnah, we narrow the case down. It's a Yom Tov shechaliyot achar Shabbat. It's actually talking about a chicken that's omedet laachila, and still we're saying what? It's going to be Mukseh according to Betanem. Why? Because according to Rabbah, bottom line, the Shabbat prepared it. Even though this was designated Minashamayim, you didn't do anything. But it doesn't matter. The Hakana of the egg, when it became edible, it was on Shabbat. Shabbat cannot mechin for Yom Tov. That's the reason. So the Gemara says, Abiyah, ask the question over here. The Gemara says, Amale Abiyah. According to what you're saying, Yom Tov Be'alma Tishtiri, which is a regular Yom Tov, 
which you know, you're talking about on a Monday. A betzah shenoldah on a regular Yom Tov should be mutar. Why? Because when was it prepared? On the Sunday before. The Sunday before was Chol. Okay. Uh, so what's Abayah's question? Abayah had a tradition already from Rabbah that when it says in the Mishnah, betzah shenoldah be Yom Tov, it's all Yom Tovs. Not only Yom Tov after Shabbat, but even on a regular Yom Tov. Uh-huh. So Abayah was asking a question, hey, if that's the logic... Why then is our tradition that every Betzah Shinodabi Yom Tov is Asur? You see, Abaye knew already his facts. He knew that Yom Tov Ragil, in the middle of the week, it's Asur. But he was asking Rabbah, hey, if that's the reason of your uh, Isur, Lechaura on a regular Yom Tov that's not preceded by a Shabbat, it should be Mutar. To that, Rabbah answers, Gezera Mishum Yom Tov Ahara Shabbat. Gezera. You're right, I told you Yisum with Rabbanan. We're going to oser a betzah on a regular Yom Tov add to a case where it's going to be Yisum with Raita. On a case of Yom Tov, Ahara Shabbat. So therefore, when you read our Mishnah, it's betzah shenodah Yom Tov, it's written about all Yom Tovs, but there's a difference. Betzah shenodah Yom Tov, Ahara Shabbat, that's Yisum with Raita. Because Shabbat is being mechin for Yom Tov. However, on a regular Yom Tov, in the middle of the week, that's going to be a Gezerah Atu. I mean, if I let you eat the egg on Tuesday, Yom Tov, you, you might come to eat it on Sunday, Yom Tov. Yes. And therefore, we make a Gezerah. So the Gemara asks a similar question. Shabbat Da'al Matishtiri. All right, well, if that's the case, on a regular Shabbat, it should be permissible as well. Because Friday, the egg was finished, Friday's whole, so the Kaurai should be able to eat the egg on a regular Shabbat. Give us a right. We're worried about a case of Shabbat that follows Yom Tov. In the case where Yom Tov is on a Friday, so therefore the Shabbat egg is going to be a Sudoraita. So therefore the rabbis were really Osir, two extra cases. The Deoraita case is what? Uh, Yom Tov on Sunday or Yom Tov on Friday. Both those cases are a Sudoraita. Right. Because Shabbat is preparing for Yom Tov, and Yom Tov is preparing for Shabbat. However, if there's a, uh, if it's Chol, meaning Friday is Chol, then it'll be uh, technically permissible, but the rabbis made a Gezerah, as well as the case of Yom Tov also during the week. Comes the Gemara and says, Umigas Rinan. Do we make such a Gezerah that we're going to say that a regular Yom Tov it's going to be Asur uh, Atu, a regular Yom Tov that comes after Shabbat? Do we make such a Gezerah? We have a Tarnigolet. The person slaughters a Tarnigolet, a chicken, on Yom Tov. And in the uh, chicken's stomach, on the inside of the chicken, you found already eggs that were complete. Okay? They weren't late. You, you caught them when they were still in the stomach of the chicken. It's permissible to eat those uh, eggs on Yom Tov. So the Kibra is, but if you tell me, you make a gezera. Mm-hmm. Regular Yom Tov to Yom Tov Lachana Shabbat. We should make a gezera to the eggs that are born. On that day, on Yom Tov itself. Which means, you're telling me over here that it's mutar. If I smell shahita, there's eggs in there, eat them. What do you mean? I thought you make a gezera. Now, before we can understand exactly this question, we have to know exactly what the case is. Now, if we're talking about a case over here where it's just a regular Yom Tov. Regular Yom Tov. Now, you slaughter a chicken that's omed la'achila. There is no problem to eat this egg. This egg is still considered part of the, part of the animal. It's a limb of the animal. Therefore, there's no issue of muksel over here. There's really no issue of 
any isur of mukseh at all. When you, you slaughter the animal, just like you can eat the, the liver of the uh, chicken, you can eat the egg. The egg is still considered attached to the animal. That's why there's no problem of your of mukseh and hachana issues. However, the Gemara is asking a question. We should make a gezerah that this case should be forbidden to a case where, let's say, it was laid on Yom Tov. Now, if it's laid on Yom Tov, then already you have a problem. But hold it. The only problem you have on a regular Yom Tov is a gezerah atu a case where it's Yom Tov on Shabbat. So if anything, this question of the Gemara is a gezerah le gezerah. We have a rule. Rabbis... They tell us what's assumed in the Torah, and then they'll make a gezerah fence to protect the right. Torah law. That's a Torah concept to make these fences. Make a fence for my protect my protection, so to speak. So the Torah says asur. For example, the Torah says yom tov shabbat asur. The rabbis came along and said, you know what? We can even say a regular yom tov is asur. Now the Gemara is asking a third question. Even on a regular yom tov where the egg wasn't laid. You slaughtered the chicken, where there should be no problem to eat the egg at all, mm-hmm. because it's part of the chicken, it's considered one of its limbs. Right. Still we should oserit gezerah to a case where it was born on Yom Tov, and that's a sur gezerah to a case where it's Yom Tov Ahar, Shabbat. Shabbat. That's a gezerah to gezerah, so that she mm-hmm. asked this question. So that she said, no, the case is talking about over here, where it was Yom Tov Ahar Shabbat. That's you have to say the case, because when the Gemara said, Betzah, um, uh, uh, sh- uh, that, that you, um, that, uh, a chicken right. that you slaughtered, it didn't tell us when. Right. It could be even a Yom Tov that's a Hara Shabbat. So now the Gemara's question is like this. It's a Sunday. Yom Tov is a Sunday. Oh, so we should say like this. We know already that Sunday is Asur Minatora. Why? Because the Hachana was done on Shabbat and in Shabbat Mechin the Yom Tov. So all we're asking is that's Isur Torah. We should Osir. Even the case where you slaughtered, where it wasn't, it wasn't born. Right. So you don't have a problem of hakana. You slaughter it, it because it's considered part of the chicken. There's no issue of eating it, it's considered one of the limbs. We should oser that case, gezerah, to the case where it was born. That's one gezerah. To that, the Gemara says, Amar betzim gemorot iman to slaughter a chicken and find the complete egg mm-hmm. in the and in the chicken's uh, stomach, rare. it's not prevalent. It's rare. Yeah, it might happen. So to make a gezerah on a rare occurrence, up to a case where it was you know, laid on Yom Tov, that already is a gezerah that is far-fetched. And therefore, we're not going to go so far to say you can't eat the egg that you find in the uh, chicken. Because really it's mutar. Again, it's not knowing you have no lad over there. Just like I can eat the liver of the chicken, I can eat the egg of the chicken. I, I, I slaughtered it because it's considered meat of the chicken. Right. But the Hadusha, I'm not going to make a gezerah that case. If I let you do this case, you might come to eat the chicken when it was laid. The, the, the egg when it was laid. That's a sumana Torah. Nah, what are the odds that you're going to slaughter a chicken and find an egg? It's miltad lo Therefore, miltad lo lo gazru be rabbana. Let's just read the last rashi there. Did the rabbis gozer something that's mutar to make it asur? I mean, you want to tell on a regular Yom Tov, the rabbis forbade it. 
Add to the case of Doraita. Did they do that? No. She's asking this question. Make a